going to continue now in our time of worship by opening up the Word of God. And I'm so glad because one thing that we really believe in here at Imago Church is that we want to gather to build up, to send out, and multiply. And when we gather and build each other up, one thing that we do is we actually equip and empower each other. And this is going to be an opportunity, and I hope we have many, we've had many before, and we continue to have many, where we can actually hear the voices among us. We can hear the voices um, from our congregation, from our leaders, to hear what God is stirring up and doing in the life of our church. And Danny has just been such a gift to the Imago community from the very, very beginning. It's been amazing to be able to see you uh, grow just as a young man, now truly into a man after God's own heart. And that's evident just in your heart for worship, in your heart for seeking the word of God. And even up to this point, right, the Holy Spirit stirring something up in you to the point where you can't contain it and you want to share with the community what God's been uh, doing in your life. And many of you know we've been in this series on the book of Ecclesiastes that we've been calling Unlikely Wisdom. If you've uh, missed any of those, please feel free to uh to uh, check those out on the podcast or on YouTube, but we've been in a long journey on that. And one thing we've learned is that all wisdom from God begins with the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. But what is that? That sounds so strange, right? The fear of the Lord is an attitude, an attitude shift, an attitude shift that begins with humility, surrender, and openness to who God is. An attitude shift that says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And so, Danny, I'm excited about what the Lord has put in your heart to reflect on, on, uh, on to build up on what we've been learning on in the book of Ecclesiastes through unlikely wisdom. And um, I believe the, the scripture for you is in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 13 through 18. So let's go ahead and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 13 to 18. And Danny has asked me to read it for him. And uh, then we will jump right in together and we'll pray for him and hear a word of the Lord. So let's hear from uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 13 to 18 and 20. Is that correct? So let's go ahead and turn there, or I believe the scripture will be right on the screen. For those watching online, it'll be on the slides as well. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, beginning at verse 13. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. In this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these. A righteous man perishing in his righteousness and a wicked man living long in his wickedness. Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked. And do not be a fool. Why die before your time? Then verse 20. Verse 20. 
There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for just this opportunity to hear from you, Lord. And God, I just pray that today we would be able to just uh, have open hearts and open ears, Lord, to grasp and catch a word from you. Use your servant Daniel, Lord, to be able to speak to your community this morning. And Lord, may we already put on that attitude of wisdom, Lord, of openness, humility, and surrender to you, Lord. We love you, and we just thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's give an imago welcome to our brother Danny. Thank you, thank you. Uh, it is good to be with you guys. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to get to share uh, what, I, what I feel the Lord has put in my heart. Amen. Uh, so we read, we read the scripture, and I, I have to say Ecclesiastes is definitely one of my favorite books. Um, there, there, are things, there are things about the gospel, there's things about scripture that sometimes just hit here. Right, and, and it, you can't make sense of it up here, but you just believe it and you just know it here. Right? And for some of us, and, you know, I, I would say I, I tend to be more of the, the skeptical type person. I, I, I think things before I feel things. I don't know if that makes sense. And so books like Ecclesiastes really appeal, right, to, I think, to people like, like, like me who want to dig deeper and extrapolate and, and get to the logical part of, of, of all of this, right? And, um, and so we read, we read the scripture, right? And it starts off in verse 13. Uh, it says, Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? I, I used to work at Panda Express a while back. And in Panda Express, we served a specific type of cuisine, right? And on the menu, we had specific items. And I'll let you guess what all that is, right? But if someone were to walk into Panda Express and start ordering a burrito de carne asada con salsa verde, cebolla picada y cilantro picado, y una horchata grande, um, if they were to walk in and order a burrito and a large horchata, right, it really wouldn't make sense. We'd probably giggle, we'd probably laugh, and then after we've had our laugh, we'd probably point them in the direction of J Street Tacos and they'll hook you up over there, right? Yeah, we, we, we didn't serve Mexican food at Panda Express. Spoiler alert. Uh, but much like, like a restaurant we've never been to, right? Much like a restaurant we've never been to, we are born into this life. And scripture says that on the menu, we have good days, we have bad days, and we don't get to change the menu, right? Who can straighten what God has made crooked? And so Solomon paints for us a picture where he describes humanity as incapable of the outcome, of, of determining the outcome of our circumstances. We have no say what's going to happen in the next 10 seconds of our life. Right? One day, a couple of people got sick. Next day, the whole world's in a pandemic. We have no control 
over the outcome of circumstances. We are customers at the mercy of the menu, right? And so he says, he, he, he says in light of this fact that we can't control, here's, here's the thought. On the good days, be happy, right? And then on the bad days, remember. Remember that the same God that was there in the good days, is there also in the bad day. Right? The same God that's with you on the mountaintop is there with you in the valley. Amen. On the good days, be happy. And I was, as I was reading this, I kind of almost just breezed through that first part because you don't really have to convince people much to be happy on a good day. But then I started thinking and, and looking inwardly and really thinking about this. How often, though, and how many of us can say we've had to learn how to receive good things? We've had to learn, right, how to receive and enjoy love, right, the, the proper way, the right way, a healthy way. How, do, how many of us have had to learn how to receive and accept and, and enjoy a healthy relationship, right? Receive and enjoy versus hoarding it. Receive and enjoy versus self-sabotage, right? On the good days, be happy and enjoy it. And I know that the Lord in my life has really had to work in, 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 in that area where I've had to learn how to enjoy the good here and now for what it is, the gift that it is here and now, but also knowing that at any moment, right, this might not be here tomorrow. But God is still good. God is still on the throne. And so on the good days, be happy. Enjoy it, accept it, and be grateful for it. But know that that it, in and of itself is not your source of identity. Right? Be happy on the good days. Enjoy it. But keep in mind that also, right, on the menu we have the bad days. And it's tough. It's tough to remember the truth that we know about God, that God is still on the throne, that, that God loves us on those bad days. And it can leave some people bitter. Right? I don't know how many of you, but I know personally I've heard plenty of people come back and ask, well, if this God that you claim, right, this God of the Bible that's supposed to be all loving and all powerful, if he really, he really is all that, why did this and this and this happen to me? How could an all loving God allow so much suffering? And, and there are intellectual answers that we can give in these situations, but for now, I'll say, could it be that God is not absent on the bad days, but that the bad days were absent of God? And what do I mean by this? In Pixley, some of you know where I work, we just lost a 15-year-old boy to the nonsense that is gang violence. And I believe wholeheartedly that God was not absent in those moments. He was not absent when this, this young boy took his last breath but the thoughts, the intentions, and the actions of the men who pulled the trigger were absent. They were void of God. Amen? And so our attention is turned to the menu, right? And on this menu, we see, we see joy, we see love, we, we, we experience thriving sometimes and, and, and the pursuit of happiness, and all these things that we value and enjoy. And on the same menu, we see death and injustice, disease, illness, suffering. 
And we look at it, and, and there's this phrase uh, that a lot of the youngsters are using nowadays. I don't know, right, on social media and stuff, if you guys have, have caught this. Make it make sense. I, I don't get it. Make, make it, like, how, how? How? Make it make sense. Right? So we look at this menu, we get, and this menu has, like, life just has us looking at it sideways. Like, like I, I get, like, you, you got all this. Cool. How, how is it that I have this and, and but this too? Make it make sense. Like, what are you? Are, are you? are you joy? Are you sunshine and rainbows? Are you peace? Are you the pursuit of happiness? Is, the pursuit of, is that it? Pursuit of happiness, is that what you are? Or are you a vacuum that seems to, like, suck everything, the joy out of everything? And it seems that every attempt to, to gain something, to, to, to pursue something, it seems that at any moment... What are you? I, I can't make sense of you. How is it that we have this and this on the same menu? And Solomon goes and, and he further drives the point in verse 15 where he says, I have seen the righteous, right? And Pastor Carlos and I were talking about how we could translate righteous person of integrity. I've seen people of integrity perish in their integrity. And I have seen those who lack integrity live well into their old age and, and, and in their lack of integrity. Make it make sense. Right? And, and if it wasn't for humanities, I think for, for people's needing to give shape to vapor, to, to, to make sense of things, I don't think Solomon would we'll be having this conversation with us to begin with. And could it be? Could it be in the back of our minds that maybe we've assumed good person equals getting good things. Bad person equals getting bad things. Makes sense to me. I do good, I should get good. I do bad, I should get bad. And it can, it can confuse us to the point of bitterness sometimes as to why this good person, if he's a good person, if she's a good person, why are they getting all of this, this suffering? If I'm a good person, why do I get all the gunk off the menu? Could it be, though, that maybe we're the ones who are off? Because we've been looking at life through the lens of good and bad. And maybe instead of looking at life through the lens of good and bad, there's a step that we've skipped where instead of looking at life through the good and bad, we should be looking at good and bad through the lens of Jesus. Jesus should be the lens through which we look at good, bad, right, wrong. Because if Jesus is not the anchor, if Jesus is not the foundation, if he is not the objective moral standard 
then good and bad become nothing more, nothing less than chocolate versus vanilla at Baskin Robbins. I had a picture up there, but there it is. All right, cool. Real quick, pause. Chocolate or vanilla? Raise your hand if you prefer chocolate or vanilla. I swear. <laughs> vanilla over chocolate? Yeah. Amen. You chocolate lovers need to repent. Uh, no. <laughs> right and wrong become nothing more than your preference. Right? And I'll take vanilla over chocolate any day, right? To me, that's good. All right? To some of you, obviously, it's the other way around. Chocolate is better than vanilla. Hmm. And so how? How then do we come to this conclusion of that right there, that's actually what is good. And then that right there, that, that's actually what's, what's bad. Right? How do we come to the, to the determination and the conclusion that this is actually what good is and this is actually what bad is? And Solomon tells us in verse 18, whoever fears God avoids all extremes. Because what happens when we, on our own, without the standard Right? Without the objective standard, pursue our own righteousness, our own sense of good. Let's take the, the Pharisees, for example. Right? We, we can become consumed. We become consumed by the very thing we were chasing. And the Pharisees dedicated their lives. The Pharisees dedicated their lives to the study of God. Everything about them just spoke righteous the way they dressed, the way they spoke, their status. Everybody knew when they gave their offering. Everybody knew when they were fasting. That's a good dude right there. And yet, these, these people, these men, who were all about God and all about faith, all about religion, God shows up in the flesh. They couldn't even see him. God shows up and shows us what actual goodness is, what actual righteousness is. And the Pharisees' attempt to hold it all together was threatened. They had become consumed by the very thing that they thought they needed, the very thing that they had been pursuing, and suddenly God shows up and their, their little Tower of Babel, right, the integrity of that structure that they had put together, gets, it's threatened. It couldn't stand. And so Solomon says something interesting. He says, do not be over-righteous. Do not be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Hmm? You can have all the right answers and still not get it. I was, I was sharing with Pastor Carlos about a, a young man that I work with. His name is Eliah. Smart young boy. He's a writer. He likes to write raps. And so we'll get into these intellectual conversations sometimes. And for a while, he was, he was asking me, Danny, well, how come, how come, like, the God of the Bible and the God of the Quran and then, you know, the Hindu gods, they can't be all, like, different versions of the same thing, right? And so we would get into these conversations. And my, my, at, at first, 
my approach was, you know, shutting down the, the question, not, not shutting him down, but really presenting the right answer in that moment. Really wanting to communicate the truth and get that across. Let me, let me get my point across and show you why you're wrong, right? And I noticed after a couple of those conversations, he would hesitate a little more whenever he had questions about it. And I realized, I really felt like the Holy Spirit put on me like, chill, right? This is not about you getting it right. This is not about you proving your point. At the end of the day, if, if, if we struggle with, with evangelism or we struggle with sharing our faith, breathe. You can't change anybody, right? And you can have all the right answers, but it's only by the Holy Spirit that people can come to the knowledge of who Christ is and who God is. Amen? And so I had all the right answers, but in that moment, I had become consumed by that very thing I thought I had to do. Right? And so I took a step back, and it had to be God. It had to be God. And by God's grace, a couple of weeks later, Eliah gave his life to Christ. Right? Um, and it's all God. Amen? So Solomon says, do not be overrighteous, do not be overwise. The pursuit of righteousness without Jesus as the origin and destiny cannot give your life meaning because it is now on your shoulders to fulfill all righteousness. And your checklist will never be good enough to meet the criteria of heaven. And you'll find yourself in the idolatry of rule keeping and anything too fluid for our taste will threaten the integrity of the reality we've put together. Solomon also says, do not be overly wicked. Don't be a fool. Why die before your time? And some people assume that rule keeping, Pastor Carlos has used this a lot, rule keeping versus rule breaking, right? Assume, we assume sometimes that rule keeping, that's how we make sense of this vapor of life, right? That's how I, I can make sense of this menu. If I do this, this, and that, I'll get this, this, and that. And it doesn't work. And so some people look at all this rule keeping and they find... You did all that, and that's what you got? I'm going this way. And for, for, forget all your rule-keeping, forget religion, forget truth, forget all of that. I'm going to do what makes me happy. All right? And the pursuit of wickedness can doom us to the cycle of pleasure-seeking until we are satisfied. There's a catch, though. The human heart is never satisfied. Right? And so freedom and meaning are always out of reach for those who throw truth out the window for the sake of pleasure. Verse 18 said, It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. So what's the point? There's, there's a, um, a way of thinking, a philosophy called nihilism. Nihilism will look at the menu of life, looks at humanity, and concludes that there is no meaning. There is no purpose. There's no point. Do whatever you want. It rejects all moral and religious principles. But Scripture... Scripture invites us to look at the menu, 
Accept it for what it is. Vapor. Right? It invites us to look at humanity, accept us for what we are, but then takes it a step further and invites us to look up. Because purpose and meaning of anything that is created is found in the origin and in the creator. The creator of the toaster knows why it was created. The creator of the car, the automobile, knows why it was created. It knows the purpose and meaning. And so, Imago, who is the author of life? God. So let's stop, yeah? Let's stop looking inward. Let's stop looking to politics. Let's stop looking to social media. Yeah? Let's stop looking to people's approval. Let's stop looking to all the rule keeping that we try to do and all the rule breaking we, we feel we need to do. Let's look up. Because the good news is this. Y'all ready? Even though life is vapor, Jesus is not. Even though life is vapor, Jesus is not. Jesus is the firm foundation. He is the cornerstone. And when we find ourselves, right, surrounded by storm and wind like the disciples were in that boat, we have someone on our side who is in control who is on the throne, who has the last word. And so everything around you might be fluid, might be out of your control. But God is holding you. God has the last word. And this is good news. Because we have someone we can trust when we can't trust tomorrow to be like it was today. When we can't trust these bodies to work effectively forever. When we can't trust the person next to us to, to stay true to their word, when we can't trust our government or when we can't trust our family, when we can't trust whatever, Jesus was taking a nap in that boat. And then he turns around and tells the disciples, where's your faith? Where have we placed our trust, Imago? Where have we placed our trust? This is good news. There is someone who has that, who is solid, who is unmoving, who loves you, and has already made up their mind about you. Jesus loves you. He died and came back to life just to show you that he is not like everybody else, that he is not like anything else within this universe that comes and goes and it's on its way to decay. Everything in this universe, it's on its way to decay. But Jesus is eternal. And so you can place your trust in him even when it doesn't make sense. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for the truth of who you are, God. We thank you that you are unmoving, Father, and you are the Alpha and the Omega, more than just pretty words, God Almighty. You are the beginning and the end. God Almighty, you were there before the start, Lord Jesus, and you will be there when all of this has passed and gone. And so we look to the cross, and we look to your resurrection, we look to your word, Father, and we thank you, God, for the truth of who you are. That even when this life, God Almighty, makes no sense, when I have no control over the outcome of anything, it seems, Lord, I can rest in the one who has the last word. I can rest in the one who is eternal. And we thank you, Father, that this truth about you, Lord Jesus, it is not just an intellectual concept, but it is a truth, Father, that allows us to build our lives on you. We can bring our marriages to you. We can bring our insecurities to you. We can bring, God Almighty, our schools and the people that maybe we bump heads with, Lord Jesus. We can bring, Father, our children to you. We can build our lives on you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name.